I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode four of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round three and our preview of round four. This episode is brought to you by Daylight Savings Time, locking your lineups a full hour ahead of schedule. Uh, wait, no. Uh, actually, it's brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the awesome subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by co-hosts Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle. We'd also like to welcome our special guest, uh, Parker Cleveland from Dirty South Soccer and uh, Stars and Stripes FC. How is everyone tonight? Hello there. Doing well. Doing all right, everybody. Great. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, and as I mentioned not recording i'll do it now live uh especially to parker for coming in so late and big thanks to to mike and blaine and and tim and simon for getting the show out uh last week when i was off on my honeymoon and, and parker for being able to jump in with such such little little notification with all this time uh i think you guys did well had some good good uh feedback about that last show yeah, it was fun. Um, certainly no shortage of stuff to talk about uh, last <laughs> week and then again this week. Uh, you know, it's it's been hot on Reddit, hot on uh, Twitter, um, uh, you know, even MLS injury news because uh, it sucked into fantasy arguments. So. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. We love that. And I'm particularly yes, happy to have uh, Parker here tonight because I know <clears throat> there's, there's some great Atlanta chat that we're planning uh, today. So... Uh, let's just jump right into our our housekeeping and and talk about round three. I've got some notes. Uh, I I didn't get to watch any games because I was just chilling by a Bohemian beach. So uh, I have followed a lot of the stuff just on the on the plane back and forth on the way back. But uh, how'd your teams do, Mike? Um, I had the best ever, or I guess maybe the second best ever week uh, I've ever had. Uh, week rank twentieth. I had one hundred and sixteen points. Uh, I increased 6.2 million in value. Uh, my price max strategy from last week uh, really paid off for me. Um, big things for me is I was paying attention um, with David V and Plata, and so made a plan ahead of time for who I was going to sub in and then subbed in um, Martinez and um, Diaz. So obviously that really worked out uh, with Martinez as my captain and, um, yeah, so I mean, my only like person who didn't score a massive amount of points was uh, Katai for Chicago, so uh, and Zardes. But uh, yeah, so 116. Uh, I'm now up to 80th or 86, 81st uh, overall, which is my highest ever ranking. So I'm pretty happy. Nice, congrats, Blaine. What about you? <laughs> yeah, 79 uh, points to overall. Um, Four, I think a four million price rise, maybe a three point five, something like that. It wasn't wasn't great. I didn't plan for it. I said last week I wasn't going to, and I didn't advise everybody just to go heavy into that. And maybe I was wrong about that, but we'll get into that later. Definitely, Parker. Yeah, you know it was kind of a weird week for me. Um, I went with um, 
with Giovinco, it was kind of a bust, um, you know, thinking that he'd, he'd kind of be able to tear it up against Montreal. Um, and my, uh, my best players in the week ended up being, um, my best player ended up being Matt Hedges, who I, um, <laughs> who I added at the last minute, right before lineup lock for the Dallas game. When, uh, when I saw that, um, uh, Jesse Gonzalez was out. And, uh, so I, I immediately just swapped in, um, Maurer and Hedges, um, cause I got a couple extra bucks that freed up, um, cause some of my other switcheroos didn't play out, but, um, that was kind of a nice surprise. Uh, Captain Almiron, he, he got 10, pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, overall 80 points, not too bad. Well, that was a way better captain than I had. Uh, as I said, oh, I was gone. I just set my roster on last Monday. So I just was like, that's, oh, that's, I'm not going to get to fool with this. I'm planning for a wedding and going off on a honeymoon. So whatever. Um, I got uh, 83 points and that was with 10 players because David Villa was my captain and he did not play and I had nobody on my bench. So uh, with 10 players, I got 83 points and no captain. So I was pretty pleased with that actually overall. Um, had, had I seen the lineup change, I would have given it to Martinez and then put somebody else in there for, for V. I don't know who that necessarily would have been. So I would have, broken the 100 points but like you mike i was really pleased with everybody else's performance i had uh uh that that chicago slump that i dealt with as well um but super happy with zussi and uh and um martinez of course right there and johnson so i was really pleased with that that new york game which i got to see a bit of on the plane ride uh, for me, this like I've seen several people talking about just the the disadvantage that you the, some of these new changes have had, and I, and I don't agree with all the changes. I don't think they're working out as as may have hoped. But I I feel that my team this week, which I set a week before anything even happened, I didn't get to listen to the podcast or see lots of stuff, and I feel like that was a competitive score. So I don't necessarily think you have to min max and watch the rosters to to get those scores. If you do have just some, well, here's some basic guys. I know they're, they're very likely to play, but um, so yeah, I think that's the other side of that coin that people talk about a lot. Well, and had you, you know, bid on Twitter and not on your honeymoon, uh, you probably would have seen like the news about via, which came out on Friday. I think, uh, you know, that he didn't train uh, on Thursday and had like a little bit of a red flag to kind of at least make a plan if you knew you weren't going to be aware. I mean, to me, that's where the advantages come in um, with the unlimited transfers or rolling transfers, excuse me. If you know a player is an injury concern and you're not going to be at your phone or able to make transfers, like if you're at the game, um, you're going to have to make a plan and have backup, um, which is doable. You know, that's that's what we did all last year. Um, but certainly it's an advantage for those of us who are able to see the lineups and oh, sure. you know, have a plan and make the transfer. So I, I don't think it makes it totally non-competitive, you know, to, to have to make transfers ahead of time, but you know, it's certainly an advantage. I mean, if we have transfers and you're able to use them, that's certainly going to be an advantage over not going to be able to use Let's say I won my head to head. So, I mean, I'm gonna <laughs> uh, but let's talk about some of these games, uh, a, a late winner in, in DC, uh, st- it will not, not a winner, sorry. I guess that's wrong. A late draw. The closest thing DC's probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a late point uh, for for DC there. Um, two two ends up with with Houston. Uh, Ellis and Manodas get the goals for Houston early on, and then DC has to just just scramble back to get it. Uh, fantasy takeaways for me for this game, uh, of course. Again, like I said, Ellis and, Ellis and Manotas 
those are some of the go-to guys for Houston. These are clearly the ones we need to look at. Moving forward, Houston's got a lot of value in midfield, I feel. A lot of those players uh, under $8 million or definitely under $9 million. So I think uh, that's something people can keep an eye on. They've got several guys with double digits now. Uh, on the D.C. side, Acosta has opened his scoring. Uh, got, got that equalizing goal right there. Assad's production is continuing. I think he's their highest scoring player, definitely their highest scoring midfielder. Um, so that's, I, I think, uh, a player that's an easy go-to on D.C. But everyone needs to be aware that uh, D.C. has one home game over the next 11 games they're playing. So I don't know if this is going to continue. Did you guys get to watch that game? Yeah, I got to watch. Um, for, for me, the big takeaway was how quickly and dramatically the game changed when Elise was subbed out. Because mm. <clears throat> Elise was subbed out, and then uh, I think Durkin came in for DC. Uh, he's their young defensive midfielder. Um, he's been subbed in the past few games, so he's had a massive price drop, uh, including this one. But he actually made some pretty good passes, and when he came on with Ariola and Elise was gone, um, Houston really lost its attacking punch, and DC was kind of able to put pressure on. Uh, that second goal was certainly a deserved result because they were really pressing. Um, so, you know, if if in the future, if Elise goes for Houston, I, I would have some concerns about the Houston uh, offense, mm. but um, maybe some hope with Dur this Durkin kid for DC because nothing else is working. Um, their yeah, uh, their attack has been amazingly uninspiring. Sorry, yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if what's going on with uh, Moreno, who's the the usual center midfielder who came off for Durkin, um, but he just hasn't quite seemed like uh, you know he's a Venezuelan national teamer, and it's like where's the quality there? But um, this was kind of an interesting game because um, Houston just jumped on on two really bad defensive errors by DC, um, and it and it kind of seems like you know for a Ben Olsen team you expect a little bit more. Um, you know, defensive quality than that. And, and I think that they just haven't quite gelled yet and they need a little bit of time, but the road games are, are definitely going to kill them. And then Durkin is a $4 million midfielder. People are wondering about that for DC. Yeah. But um, I mean, as we'll get to, he's probably going to stay a 4 million midfielder. We'll get there. Yeah. I got some good conversation coming up. <laughs> um, uh, moving on. The fire was extinguished in Minnesota, which is not necessarily New, I believe last year Minnesota also beat Chicago at Minnesota two to one, uh, but this time they did it without Molino, and that was a pretty big hit. I think that a lot of people were watching, especially I know myself. I was wondering how that was going to impact them fantasy wise going forward with their production, and uh, it it did well. Uh, Sam Nicholson, who's a seven point two midfielder, replaced Molino in this game, which I can't emphasize enough right now. This game, I don't think it's with just one game under their belts without him. That that's for sure going to be the the replacement going forward but one to keep an eye out as um not not this coming round but going forward to to see if he's going to be a continuous start that's a good value 7.2 but uh chicago also didn't quite have everybody uh bastion Feinsteiger was not in the game because he was he and his wife were expecting congratulations there to him so rough day for the fire overall but they're getting ready to have three home games in a row so things may be able to get turned around um I know, Mike, you had a disappointment at midfield here with Chicago. Yeah, um, and and probably had I considered and thought through with Schweinsteiger being out, uh, I would have dropped him. Um, but I was expecting a, a lot out of the Chicago attack uh, and had really been playing a lot with Nikolic um, instead of Villa all week, um, actually over Martinez. 
um, which I'm glad I didn't do that. But once I saw Schweinsteiger was out, uh, I knew not to get Nikolic because he's such a huge part of their offensive attack, um, especially with Akam not being there anymore. So, um, but I mean, I kept on Katai because I was like, well, maybe he'll sub into the Schweinsteiger role and he'll pick up something against the Minnesota um, defense. But um, Minnesota's been playing surprisingly not terrible this year. So. <laughs> a, nice, a nice rebound. They got some pieces. I believe Ethan Finlay got it. <laughs> Got an assist in this one, so I think uh, with Milino gone, he could be one that people look towards as a potential production uh, assistant over there with with that team. Uh, we're going to get you in this next one, Blaine. I know you've been been a little quiet <clears throat> so far, but uh, CCL is super serial for Toronto as as we see them fall on the road to Montreal. Um, I don't think this is a game to read too much in. What about you, Blaine? I know you've got some experience covering Montreal. <clears throat> Um, I think there's a lot more to this game than what some people are wanting to give it credit. Okay. Um, I was really down on Montreal to start the season, but I really like the way the coach has got them playing right now. Um, I saw some stats pop up on Twitter, and I can't remember who posted them, but Montreal's midfield and the way their presence there was just devastating to uh, Toronto. I got to watch part of that game, and they were getting no good linkage play through the middle. Now Vasquez was out, so that may completely change when he is back. But Montreal really did uh, throw something at Toronto that they couldn't handle this week. And Toronto really got outplayed. I mean, they got some balls up there at the top. Josie got a few, not breakaways, but a few chances to create. And the defense for Montreal just stepped up and really showed that they were strong against two of the better attackers in the league. So... Maybe not too much to read into on TFC, but Montreal is better than I initially thought. And if they're going to keep playing like that, um, they're going to be in every game they're in you know, that they play. And it, it just there's a there's a lot to read on the Montreal side. Maybe not so much for TFC, but what is this? 0 and two now for Toronto. Yeah, no no wins in MLS, but they're they're doing it in CCL. Yeah, and and that could be that they're putting all their all their eggs in that basket right now, which I can't blame them. They've got the team that could win it all this year. But uh, no wins in MLS, so either they're not taking it seriously or they are struggling a little bit right now, and it could be a little bit of both. But, yeah, let's wait for CCL to get over and see what they come back with there. But right now the averages, if we're going to talk about prices for players, the averages in Toronto are not worth picking up. You're, you're real, really risking value here with their average scores per, for all of their players, really where they're going to drop. I mean, a few of their defenders are probably safe bets, but if you're playing the money game at all, um, you really don't have the players you can get that are going to go up in value every week. Speaking of the money game, I want to talk about Montreal for just a second. One of the two players that I want to highlight before we uh, get into some of the discussion, uh, the price change has been kind of weird so far this season, so I'm looking forward to hearing your recap of your thoughts from last week, Mike. Uh, Vargas, 7.2 scores a goal, the only goal in this game, loses 300000 in value. Okay, Piotti, so I'll... Piotti um, gains value. He's 11.2 now. Now he's got he's had back-to-back double-digit games, so that's good. Perhaps that 11.2 is, is still worth Piotti, but he got the assist. But you, you lose value when you score a goal? That's just baffling to me. Okay, I can answer that, and it sucks. Um, Vargas started out as an 8.5 million midfielder. That's it, the not-quite-premium range. But he he's expected to do more. His average points per game right now is four. Um, Piotti, on the other hand, started out at that premium price point 
average points per game is 8.6 and he's going up in value. Um, I think, and what Mike, Mike can probably back me up on this, this is 100% weighted on your average point production. It has nothing to do with the round-to-round score. So you could have a guy who is averaging one point a game, get his first start, let's say a defender, get a clean sheet. Moderate is going to be the example here. He's had two sub appearances, gotten a point each, dropped so much in value. Now that he's there, he could go out and have a monster game, probably score a goal, get a clean sheet, no price rise, very little price rise because his average at this point is not going to go up to that premium level. He's going to stay at a two or three point or three or four point average, which is middle of the road, maybe good enough for a 0.1.2 increase. So I think we're at a, at a full averaging system and Vargas has only got that four. He got eight points though in round three, but his average is four. I mean, I I hate it. it. He doubled it. Well, and see this is where, I think, and this is where, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the system is. I, I think I slightly disagree with Blaine in that I don't know that it's as much averages. I, I think averages play a role, but it's actually dumber than that. Um, <laughs> if you look at like a player's profile, uh, and, and the way I figured this out was I looked at the player's profile and I figured out what they added. And so they added an average for three games, an average for five games, which was the tip off that the f- they were only going to do a five game window for whatever this uh, price thing was. And then they also added a stat, which is money per point. And if you look at that stat and you look at like what the list, all of a sudden the price changes make sense. Um, it's not like perfect, but if you have under 500,000 pri- um, thousand per point, um, you're getting a 0.5 price rise every time. Like that's why Senderos is getting a 0.5 price rise for the next three weeks. Um, if you're over that, then it goes into weird. Then I guess it gets maybe gets into averages or stuff. But it seems like the game is trying to f- move players to where their score is like 500,000 per point. Um, may or maybe it's moving it to thousand per point and it's just kind of slowing up there but like Vargas has 600,000 per point like now after the yeah. reduction of a total of 1300 um million lost so I, that's what I, whenever people are asking like how can you get understanding with price rise that's what I did because I noticed last week it was like 500,000 or less you got a 0.5 and that's the same thing that happened this week um for midfielders, defenders, and forwards, if your price per money per um, fantasy point <clears throat> is under five hundred thousand, you're getting 0.5. Uh, for goalkeepers, it's actually four hundred thousand or less, which is why like Mar um, and Turner are probably getting 0.5s this week, no matter what they do. And that's what's like crazy to me. If you have like, because it's not just average, because it's those um, points is total points. It's not. <clears throat> an average so that's why like for instance senderos whose average like took a massive dip still had a price rise because he still had his value wasn't uh, equivalent to the number of points he had already brought in so it's not just average it's like a total thing and so because the price range is capped at 0.5 you're going to have these scenarios where because they had terrible weeks the week before the price change is still going to be, you know, going up or backwards based on what they did maybe a week or two weeks ago. So that's what's kind of going on. All right. Well, 
going to this next game, we're going to get you to talk about that some more. Uh, will the real David Villa please sit out? Uh, that's apparently the theme of what happened with this game. But uh, New York City had a city FC had a big a bit of some struggling without B. I think is fair to say uh, to to get those those points. But their defense held strong. And I think that's uh, something fantasy managers need to keep an eye on, the New York City defense going forward. However, they are quite pricey now at that defense, so it may not be quite worth it. But uh, a .5 loss for the only – or for the first score, goal score, that, that's another baffling one, Mike. Um, so walk us through that one one more time. Um, so <clears throat> Tajuri had been subbed in the last two games, had gotten one and one points. Um, his – Money per fantasy point is 667,000 per point. Um, so that leads to a decrease, even though the total was brought to nine. Um, he goes down. Bah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, but they were able to get those goals at the end to beat <clears throat> Orlando, uh, still without Dwyer, have Kleshin, have Maram. Kleshin got, I think, six corners in that game Marin put in some vicious shots playing up there at the forward so i think there's definitely some skill here with this orlando team uh though i i know i think our friend derek would disagree with that um but but i think there's there's still well, some there, there's here. skill there's just no system like their right. plan against new york city was literally like clutch and pass to miram and miram try to take on two new york city defenders and make something happen and it was the same thing against um dc united they have no plan without dwyer um, maybe when Dwyer comes in, something changes, but I, I don't know how any decent defense doesn't shut them down. I mean, the fact that they were shut down totally by Minnesota. Minnesota like, <laughs> <laughs> um, better myself. Yeah, I mean, we're looking here. Uh, Callan's at yeah, seven Parker, million. don't you want to like dump on Orlando too? <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like I'm taking that opportunity for that, Parker. I think that like, um, you know, the uh, the Twitter – the Twitter feedback that Orlando city gets after they lose just kind of says it all. They just, you know, I think that the game is, is just not quite what it was when Jason Christ was doing what he was doing in, in Salt Lake. And, um, I, I just don't think he's kept up with it to be honest. Um, you know, they have these, they have a great roster. Um, and I don't know if they just need more time, but he's had, you know, at this point, he's had a lot of time to get the roster set and to get his tactics set. And it doesn't just seem like anything's taken root there. Uh, moving on to our next game. Going to let you talk a lot about this one, Parker. Um, it was a very good game for Atlanta, I think to, to say the least. Um, but first, before you get to talking, Parker, I think everyone needs to weigh in foul or no foul Blaine. I can see why you call the foul. I can't see the red card. Okay. Mike. See the foul um, for the PK, don't see the red card, and don't see the VAR. Okay. Parker. Yeah, I mean, the letter of the law, it kind of says, you know, he's he's making contact with someone's head, and, and that's, you know, that's what the letter of the law is. I don't necessarily think that, you know, it took them five minutes to get through that in the VAR. Um, and it if it's taking that long, I don't think that you call that foul. Or you don't call that. You don't pull that red card. I agree. Yeah, I thought that was that was soft. I could definitely see them giving a foul there and getting a PK out of it. But, but I, yeah, and I think- and that's the play that VAR is having a lot of trouble with is elbows in the box because I mean it happened Except- last year with New York City and Columbus. We had it um, uh, this year or in in week one. I'm trying to remember um, 
where it was. Oh, it was Orlando, DC. I think it was an elbow. It's it's the elbows or like all this, like no one catches it real time, but then the VAR guy catches it. It's like, we need to have like a six minute review for this. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I go there. They're calling elbows in the box, but you look at that play and maybe Waston gets run into, maybe he's reaching to hold um, LGP, whatever. He's got his arm down. He, he never makes a swing. He kind of throws him back, but he never cocks the elbow and he never swings. So I'm like, so that's what I don't get is how do you say violent conduct? How do you say it? Call it an elbow in the box. He's clearly holding him down. He's preventing the jump. But how do you say he swung when all he's doing is sweeping out and trying to keep the guy on the ground? I mean, that's what I don't understand. And I don't know how you take five minutes to look at that and go. <laughs> I think I heard there was some some technical difficulties. I just think you have to be Ishmael and Elfath. I think that, that he's one of the worst referees in MLS. And just, you know, he's he's had a lot of controversial decisions. And this was just another one. And he otherwise, he called a pretty bad game, too. I mean. He was he was inconsistent with what he was calling. He was, you know, I've never really liked him as a ref. Uh, last two thoughts for me before I let just the rest of you guys. I know Parker is going to want to talk a lot about this one. Um, Vancouver did pretty well for ten men. I have to say, I know they lost four to one, but I mean, you you lose key defender in the thirteenth minute. Uh, I, I think they did about as well. I mean that that sealed the game right there. That that was that was game over. Uh, positive point for. Atlanta, if they can get it together on defense, their defenders are getting really cheap. Uh, so at some point with the right situation, a lot of those guys are going to be at a great value to bring in, maybe double or triple up on. Uh, their midfielders, however, are rising because you guys have had some great success there, uh, Parker, especially one that I think is good to keep an eye on, uh, Gressel going forward, uh, 7.5, and um, he's he's gotten back-to-back assists in these games, so he he might be a good one to look at for people trying to stretch their team. Uh, but, Parker, what what did – just give us your reactions to this game. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that, you know, you mentioned that Vancouver did really well with 10 men, but I, I kind of actually look at it the other way and say that uh, for the rest of the first half, Atlanta just didn't – put the put the ball in the net um you know they probably should have been up you know 3-0 going into the half uh, Miguel Almiron kind of missed a sitter um and at some point in the game they had a three-on-one break and it was just you know southern hospitality with you go first no you go first no you go first and just <laughs> the ball just ended up going out of bounds and it was that was kind of embarrassing um you know you kind of expect to score on a on a break like that but um you know I, I think that you know, this was a game where Atlanta, um, they've done something pretty interesting with, um, you know, Ezekiel Barco being injured to start the season where they've switched from a 4-2-3-1 to a um, kind of a 3-5-2. Um, and so Gressel is playing wingback, um, which he's he's just been absolutely um, terrific in that role. He, you know, he gets back and defends when he needs to, but he, he can just sit out there on the wing and just get the ball and just pick out crosses um, and just like sling the ball into the box. And he's just been great at it. And it's what he did all year last year when he was at his best, he was out there kind of starting over there on the right wing when, you know, uh, Tito Viable is starting for um, Joseph Martinez when he was hurt for so much time. Um, that was really his best role. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, it might even be next week that Barco's back um, when they go to Minnesota. So it'll be interesting to see if if um, Gressel ends up staying, um, 
you know, in somehow staying at, at right wing back, if Tito Vialba drops back to right wing back, that could be really interesting. Um, and you'd see, you know, Barco out there on the left wing. Um, but as far as this game went, you know, I, I don't think that Atlanta probably could have asked for much more. You had, you know, Joseph Martinez hat trick again. Um, you had, you know, Andrew Carlton coming in. He's arguably Atlanta's most popular player. Um, and he's, he's played 16 minutes or something this year. And he comes in and gets an assist uh, to, seal, to seal Joseph's hattie. And that was just such a great moment. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was just kind of what the fans are there to see. Um, and, you know, give credit to Vancouver, though. Um, they, they roasted Atlanta on a counterattack. Um, and they got, they got, their, they got their, uh, their consolation goal. And they almost had another one. I think Jordi Reyna also slapped one off the post. That was a pretty goal that Vancouver scored on that counter. I mean, both the pass and the finish by Hurtado was really, really nice. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened <clears> on it, but you know, it's like you've got both of your center backs are back there. Both Parkhurst and and Gonzalez Perez were back there, and they, you know, Parkhurst kind of kept up with them, but I didn't see Gonzalez Perez <laughs> coming back at all. I don't know what happened. He got clocked in the chin by. Oh wait, no, <laughs> he was selling it. He was selling it right there. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great breakdown of what was going on. So I, I, I wish I could have seen that game. I was in the Atlanta airport and I was looking around and I said to my wife, I said, Atlanta's playing right now. I would have thought the game would have been on. She goes, honey, it's March Madness. Like, uh, uh, crumble, crumble. Atlanta just not very big, you know, not, not supporting not your team very much. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you talked about that good goal, that pretty goal by Vancouver. Uh, we'll let you talk some. Now blame pretty goal by Graham Zusi, Sporting Kansas City versus San Jose. Um, game on in Kansas City right there. 3-2. I was excited. Wish I could have seen this game. Uh, I, I thought it would be a good one, and, and the final score definitely was. Though not from a Sporting Kansas City defense point of view, allowing in two more goals. I, I think there's some definite uh, questions of this Kansas City defense going forward. Uh, let you weigh in on that, Blaine. Yeah, um, I can answer that with a really quick anecdote. Um, I play that draft league that I talk about quite a bit. I drafted zero Sporting Kansas City defenders this year, if that tells you anything. And I had the chance to grab a few of them early and didn't. Um, they've got uh, Espinoza and Gutierrez in place of, well, it, it was Espinoza last year with Benny, but they were both playing a lot deeper role. They were both cut more almost not quite a holding mid, but they were both kind of playing that box to box role and they're Gutierrez and Espinosa are kind of doing that again, but they're not offering nearly as much on the defensive end this year. And it's showing. Um, Ike Parra is absolutely lost right now. There's a few of the Kansas city forums that are just kind of baffled by it, but he looks lost out there. Um, some people are saying Sinovic's losing a step and kind of giving up some ground on the left side. And that's where the first goal came from. And I can see it. I mean, the defense just isn't what it was. They don't have the coverage that they have. You can go back again to the Latif Blessing comment before the season. Burmese had him playing so much defense, he was too tired to go score. Um, That's right. Guys, guys, guys <laughs> You've got that. Fortunately, though, Zussi is still on point uh, with that goal, uh, 6.5. I think that's what we expected out of him going forward. We knew he would have been a top defender last year because of that that ability that he has with those assists and that, that goal scoring ability. So I, I think 
as that wingback value and in the right situation, uh, Sporting Kansas City, at least Zussi has some value with that. Yeah, with Zussi, they're playing almost uh, 3-4-3 with him in the midfield most of the time. I mean, he's playing so high up the field, uh, it's crazy. I mean, how often do you see the wingback cutting across the top of the box and shoot from outside the 18-yard box? (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. You don't see that very much in MLS. There are some guys that can do it. But you just don't see them being given the ability to cut in like that. Sure. But he knows Russell's going to drop back and cover for him if he has to. He knows Espinoza will destroy somebody if they come if they try to go through <laughs> his gap. I, just the way it goes with with Kansas City. Um, so he's got that license to do it, and he's been a key part of the attack. I think he had one of the really pretty assists on a through ball the week before because he was cutting in and was able to play it that way. I mean, you're seeing why he was a, a <clears throat> midfielder kind of or a wide player in this team before. He's still got all those skills going forward, and now he's just being given free reign to go up there and play. Yeah. Uh, two other players I'm going to highlight, uh, one from Sporting Kansas City, City. I thought Gutierrez has done well. Uh, he's been racking up some of the points, and uh, um, and his value has been going up. He's He's – Still under 9.5. I think he's at 9.2 or 9.3. So he may still be kind of considered a value player, but it's it's rising a bit. But but Gutierrez, I think, has been putting together some good things. On San Jose's side, uh, they're a bit of a mixed bag, I still feel. I don't know if you guys want to agree or disagree with that. But um, no real consistency, I think, just yet. Vaco, though, I think he's been a great point producer, um, at least after two games. Uh but at ten million, that might be a bit much. I think for him long term, as far as what production we can expect from him, probably long term. Um, I'm expecting a price rise for him in in his next game, um, <clears throat> just because of how crazy his first game was. Um, you know, long term, he he'll probably fall back uh, down at once he that first game drops off. You know, whenever his sixth game is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to kind of disagree with you. I think they San Jose has been pretty good. Um, you know, they've scored five goals total over their first two games. Um, you know, three against Minnesota, two against San Jose. Um, I, I think there's at least some offensive potential here and, you know, maybe Vaco later on will be, um, a decent price midfielder. Uh, one clarification on this best goal of the game was still Wando's. Yes, I, I was going to say. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, I mean, that was insane. That was inches away from still being a 3-1 scoreline. And just, I don't know how he got that, but that's why he's at 135, and that's why I think he's still going to break the record. I, I can't imagine how excited our friend TK was for that goal. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a difference between best goal and prettiest goal, though, I think. I, I think it would be both, except for maybe the Hurtado goal in Atlanta. No. Okay. I mean, because it, it was, I mean, I think it's like a first touch, you know, on the pass. He takes um, it on the perfectly. Yeah. It came over his shoulder. I mean, yeah. that's an insane skill. Which, I, I mean, made up for the fact that he missed a total sitter. Like, to each their own. Uh, last game I'm going to point out, uh, easy win from Dallas. I think whenever you get a good nut punch in a game, you got to mention it during a, a bit of a review. Uh, while we all, I think, may talk about what really happened with Vancouver and Atlanta. I don't think anyone is surprised or has any questions about Clint Dempsey being sent off the field for being a goon. Any, anybody want to argue that one? Nope. 
Nope. I think Clint Dempsey is even Seattle fans are not. I don't. I don't think anybody can. Like I just. I just heard the the news. It was like Clint Dempsey was sent off around sportsmanlike conduct. I'm like, yeah, okay, I got it. Now we're on this. Um, I've seen one defense of Dempsey so far, and it came from a Kansas City fan, and he's going to the game in a couple of weeks. I think they gave Dempsey a three-game suspension on this too. Mm-hmm. Oh, he just wants to see. And, him yeah, live. he just wants to see him live. I think is that the defense. Like, I don't want him to have a red card because I want to see him play. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. cool. That's the best one I've heard. Um, again, for this one, for me, I don't think this is much to read into. Seattle was missing a lot of players. Um, so I, I mean, this was good win for Dallas to have, maybe get some, some energy going there. Um, Diaz getting, getting some of that. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't think there's a lot to read into with this one. I, uh, I did see there is, there was one defensive Dempsey though. Bobby Warshaw from MLS. Um, <laughs> Oh, Bobby. Um, oh. he, uh, he said, he's not sure that he was swinging to hurt him or just swiping the defenders away from holding him. But, you know, either way, it's like Dempsey's a striker, and I think he's got three red cards. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I, I don't know how, how many times I've seen David Villa take that type, type <laughs> of swipe to get a defender off of him. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll disagree with you again a little bit on this one, Reed. Uh, I think the takeaway from this is Mauro Diaz has looked very good the past two games. Um, so where he wasn't fantasy viable before, I think he's fantasy viable this week. Uh, and going forward, especially when he's at home. There we go. So those are the fantasy takeaways I took from these games. Anything else that we didn't touch on that you guys want to add now? All right. Well, then let's move on to our housekeeping. A lot of teams on a buy round this week because, hey, it's the international break, but not for MLS. Uh, Buy rounds, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, LAFC, Montreal, Orlando, Philly, Real Salt Lake, San Jose, Seattle, and Toronto. So not a lot of people here. We actually only have six games this round, so you're probably going to have a lot of players from the same team going on. Um, Patreon, thank you so much to everyone. Uh, We had a few new people subscribe and, and donate recently. I'll mention you guys next month. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on board and helping support our show. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for you to help financially support the MLS Fantasy Insider podcast. Uh, you can have monthly donations, and in exchange for that, you help us cover our costs for for hosting and, and prizes, and you also get to join the league that we have to win those prizes and other little bonuses at different tiers for you joining in. Um, one of those is a new sticker that's going to come out, and I'm going to get that image posted soon and for those of you who have gotten the rewards like our pint glasses and uh, that's going to be sent out to you once I get the new stickers because I'm going to have those stickers bundled in with them for those of you at the right tier so I want to have them before I start shipping the stuff out Uh, one exception to that is the winner I announced for um, MLS 2 US Men's National Team who won our uh, beginning of the season promotion with retweeting about our podcast. He's going to get a scarf and I'm going to send that out to you soon, man. So congrats again. And I'm also working on figuring out some hangout times. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, at certain tiers for our, our patrons, we have a uh, live Google hangouts that people can come and join us. Uh, I know Mike and I, I think Blaine joined us once last year as well for for some of those where we just get online at a certain time, maybe try to shoot for weekends this time. Sometimes it's before a game and we just chat about anything, your questions, 
personally about your team, about general fantasy strategy, venting about the game, or anything else soccer or non-soccer related that you might want to talk to us about. So it's a fun time that's gone over well so far the few times we've done it, and I look forward to being able to doing it again and interact with more patrons. If you want to be a part of all this, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I. And now, Mike, injury news. All right. Well, we have a long uh, list of stuff to go through with the international break. Um, let's get through the international stuff first. Um, first things first, um, there is a list available at MLSsoccer.com. Um, it's not entirely complete. Um, if you go on Reddit, they're, they're updating a list there, so that might be the best place to go. But one of those two sources. But um, I'm only going to go over the players uh, who have matches this week. Um, and who may miss. Uh, let's see. Columbus Crew, um, probably the biggest hit with um, starters for the international break. Zach Steffen, Will Trapp um, are, are all gone. And um, I think there's someone else there too. Uh, maybe not. Um, DC United, um, O'Neill Fisher, uh, Dane Kelly, and Segura will be gone. Um, Dynamo uh, Machado. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, the, the Dynamo don't play this week. Uh, LA Galaxy, um, Ola Kamara is going to be gone. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos uh, got called up from Mexico, but he's injured instead, so he's not going, but maybe he'll get healed in time for Saturday. God only knows with that one. Um, Minnesota, <coughs> Boxall, Calvo, uh, Ramirez, and Schuler. I'm sorry, not Ramirez, uh, Schuler. Uh, Schuler is out, though. Um, let's see. Sorry, guys, I have a cold and a cough, so it's going to take me a little bit while longer to go through this. Uh, Nemeth is gone for with Hungary. For New York City, uh, Matarita, although he's injured, so he's probably not going anywhere. Alexander Ring and uh, Rodney Wallace uh, will all miss. For the Red Bulls, uh, the big one is Tyler Adams, but also uh, Escobar, Kamar Lawrence, and uh, Murillo, I think. Um, Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, Kendall Waston is the other one that, that we have. Uh, now to the injuries. Uh, big one, obviously, was David Villa. Um, he has a minor issue that's been kind of vague. Um, no one really knows what it is, but he's been dealing with it like all preseason. So keep an eye out on that one. Um, if you had to get my uh, opinion, I would guess that he is not going to play on New England's turf. Uh, Christian Dean um, missed this past week. I think he was the one... Um, diagnosed for six weeks with, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Polster is the one. Uh, Dean has a foot issue. Polster has a knee sprain. He's out six weeks. Uh, Dowd via missed. Uh, Tenor Home missed for a late fitness test. I'm not sure um, what his issue is. Um, Burgett uh, missed for flu, but he should be good. Moreno for DC came off with apparent hamstring issue. Pedro Santos for Columbus was subbed off uh, late after an injury. Uh, Spectre for Orlando uh, had a concussion, was subbed off at halftime. Uh, Ronald Matarita, like I said earlier, uh, hamstring injury. Uh, looks like he's going to miss some time. Uh, Kai Kamara had a tight groin uh, issue and so missed the trip, as did Marcel Dijon with a chest contusion. Uh, not sure if they'll be available for this week against the Galaxy. Um, Plaza missed, uh, also with a hamstring, uh, Saucedo was substituted for RSL, um, also with an injury, uh, Dempsey, obviously, like we talked about red card, uh, 
people are expecting a three-game suspension. Jonathan Dos Santos, again, uh, a hamstring injury. Uh, Pino for Orlando is out with the right ankle for two to four weeks. Uh, then with the LA Galaxy, who boy, um, seven LA Galaxy players are injured. Jameson with a concussion, Pedro with a hamstring, Alessandrini with a hamstring, Pontius with a quote knock, Siani with a growing, and both Dos Santos with a hamstring injury. And because it's LA Galaxy, God only knows if we'll actually get any more uh, information. I'm impressed uh, you got that much. <laughs> <coughs> and then with Seattle, um, let's see, Bruin concussion, Ladero, I think a foot issue. Dempsey suspended. Uh, Marshall had a concussion head issue. Most of their team is hurt or suspended. So if you're looking to get anyone from the Galaxy or Seattle, you should probably just assume that they're hurt and suspended and get someone else. <laughs> and so that's the introduce. I sort of I sort of imagine like someone rolls up to to Ellie and they're like, "Hey, coach, what's what's the what's the team like? Anybody hurt? Everything is fine. No, no, <laughs> and no one is injured. They're all fine. They went for a walk. Go away." Yeah, the, the corner of the galaxy podcast was like is is looked tweeted out the injury list and was like, is that good? It was like it is for me, but <laughs> not for you guys. Hey Mike, uh, just to add one, I think Marshall played against Dallas. Did he? Oh, and yeah. you know what? I forgot one. Salary um international duty with um Hungary's under twenty ones. There we go. So crazy. Uh general Reddit questions moving on, getting ready for our game by game preview. This one, um, Wait, before we go any further, this is in a future one that, like, I literally just saw. Toronto FC is moving its April 7th home match versus DC to mid June in order to clear the calendar for CONCACAF. Um, so <clears throat> that's going to be a buy, and that's probably mean that the New York Red Bulls are about to move a match as well. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. Hey, go for it, boys. Do it, do what you need to do. It's <laughs> fine, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, general Reddit questions. Already touched on this, but I just want to hit it one more time quickly before we move on. Several people had questions about this on Reddit, and I know I have some personal frustrations as well. The point change algorithm. Uh, thanks, Mike, for explaining some of what's going on. I still don't like it. Um, it It's just crazy, and it's frustrating for just this level of, especially early game, to have the points be so just sporadic like that with what you're going to gain and what you're going to lose. And it's, it's hard to build your team. And I think it does hurt a competitive edge with that. And, and I guess I really don't see the problem with the system last year when it was using individual players, averages versus others in their position. So I can see how maybe you get a little frustrations there when you have a, a $10 million guy and the, the $7 million guy and who's, who's supposed to go up or down. But I, I like a version of something like that makes more sense to me and is easier, I think, for people to understand and, and have some sense of expectation than what we have right now. Well, I, I think the big problem is you should not be able to predict future price rises based on past performance. You know, every other system that we've had um, is, you know, essentially built into whatever they do next is going to affect their price. Um, even whenever we had transfers in and out, we kind of had to take into account performance because if someone was terrible, they were going to get tr mass transferred out and you were going to lose value. Right. Um, but I mean, now the fact that like I can pick players and I know they're going to increase in price and to me feels a little cheap. I mean, I went up 6.2 because I mean, I feel like that's, wild. that's what you have to do in order to get the game. But 
I think that's crazy because like I knew going into it, like I was going to get at least like 5 million plus because like they all had super low price um, per fantasy point. And, you know, by reading the, the history, I knew that they were going to rise regardless. So, I mean, that's why I had Zardes. Zardes went up 0.5. He had a three. He had a terrible game. I mean, I, you know, it'd be one thing if we were going to do this um, as part of a fixed budget where everyone was set at $100 million, but for our budget to be increasing like this, it's something I really hope that they revisit next year. The game within the game. Uh, Parker, Blaine, you guys want to add anything to that before we move on? Yeah, I, I think think the, I, Oh, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, I think the only thing that I kind of have to say about it is like, you know, this is it. It's great if you're like kind of really into this and really want to get deep and into the weeds for it. But I think that if you're kind of a newer player who's who's new to the game, um, you know, you might be intimidated and just put off by this. Um, you know, and you might not be generating those more hardcore players that you want by kind of making making it this complicated to figure out whose prices are going to go up and, and how all that works. So that's just kind of my take on it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I really like what, I, what I'm getting is the idea that the system is trying to do. I think execution has been abysmal so far. Um, we've seen, as I mentioned earlier in the season, I think we're trying to get to that system where a CJ Sapong who starts off at that lower price point is competing with the elite scores. He should be priced up to that point. And this, this system is doing that fairly effectively. Your, a lot of your better players consistently so far this season are starting to skyrocket in price. They're going up. I mean, Zussi is a 6.5. Defender started at six. I think he was at a 5.5 to start with or something like that. So you're seeing guys go up that you want to see go up. They're priced uh, mostly appropriately for their production, which is a good thing for the game. Don't get me wrong. I, I like that. I don't, I think that's what the goal is. And if that's what they're trying to do, I'm all for it. But we've got guys with uh, zero average, zero history coming in and they're just all over the place. There's no accounting for substitute roles. Um, Moderita's got to be our example again. Scores subs twice, plays a grand total of what eight minutes, goes down eight hundred thousand over two games. How do you how do you have a system that that penalizes guys for being a sub that heavily? Maybe they need to have their max raise and lower as a sub lowered down. Maybe it's two hundred or two hundred thousand instead of the full point five. I maybe we have to preload some data in there to raise artificially raise the average of certain players when we don't have anything yet. New guys come in, they get if they start at an 8.5, they get the same average score for those first five games to preload in the system for all the other forwards that started the season at 8.5 last year. Just give them the average and then adjust off of that. I mean, there's got to be some solution to balance this because I like where the system is going. But it's just been a horrible in execution. And I think as we get a little bit deeper into <clears throat> here, we're actually going to see the price changes go almost zero per week because a player is not going to be able to do enough or detract enough from their overall score, their overall average, to where they're going to change at all. So maybe this is just really heavy on the front end and everything's going to just settle out and lock in place. Because if Zussi's rocking the same average every week, He's going to stop going up at some point. He's going to have to hit that ceiling. And as long as he keeps that same production, even if he has a bad game, his price is going to stay about where it's at at a certain point. And I think we're going to hit that equilibrium across the game. 
Is that what we want, though? Is that what we want? Do we want prices to be virtually stagnant? No, I think that's going to be a negative side effect of this. I'm not, I'm not necessarily in favor of that, but I think I like the idea that I think is behind it that you're averaging out your players. But I think it is going to stagnate at some point if what Mike has said is true. Well, and that's the thing, you know, because um, Ben posted on Twitter, you know, it's it's going to take into account five rounds, so you're going to see stabilization after round five, um, which first of all isn't quite true because not all players are going to have five games. You know, we've had a lot of buys these first few weeks, so it's probably not going to be until like rounds eight or nine. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm not sure how much stabilization we're going to see. You know, for example, S- Senderos is the perfect example. He starts off with a 19-point monster game his first game with a clean sheet and um, a goal. So the first five games he's going to have, he's going to be rising up. Then once that game falls off the fifth game, he's going to get like five price decreases unless he has some other monster game to replace it. So it's going to take a long time for us to get this stabilization. Um, now, I don't know what kind of price reset we're going to get at the spring. Maybe that, but this system seems very susceptible to outlier scores. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm very concerned when we get into the double game week periods. You know, if someone gets rotated in, you know, for instance, like BWP. No one thinks of BWP any less as a player or a fantasy option because he got subbed in after having a midweek game. But that's exactly what this game takes into account. Now, while in theory, I think like, yes, if they're becoming a substitute, they should be cheaper. But for a one-off substitution, like you're going to have like a massive price deduction, that doesn't make sense. That's kind of something where I prefer, you know, like maybe if like if it was like weighted by minutes, or, or, or something like that, but you know, and, and that's kind of what I feel like maybe the, the automating this was a bad idea. Um, no, I'd agree. I definitely like last year how <clears throat> coming on and playing fewer than X minutes that those late minute subs wouldn't hurt you, but if you scored a goal, you could potentially be benefited. I, I definitely know that's that's a great, and while I do like I understand the, the idea, like. If if we have I probably someone as a starter and it turns out they're a substitute like moderator, like they should be worthless. Like that makes sense to me. But but like if just someone gets like rotated once, like they automatically lose five hundred thousand, which I don't know if that's gonna change whenever we get to five games, because that's still gonna be you know, especially for someone like, for example, Joseph Martinez. If Atlanta in Catamartino, you know, for example, ever decides to rest somebody. I mean, that could be huge on him because he's priced so high. He's almost certainly going to get a massive price drop during a double game week if he gets rotated for 45 minutes. So I, I don't know that we're going to get to as much of a stabilization as, as Blaine and Ben thinks. May, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, we'll have to see. I think it's important to add right now that um, after just three rounds, this is still what we – are thinking is happening. So we're not 100% sure yet. So don't go taking this as, as the gospel of price changes going forward. But, uh, and, and can we get into that? I, I know it's a proprietary formula, but for this to be this dramatic, we need to have guidelines as to what is going on. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think, I think Parker, yeah. you made a very good point before talking about uh, newcomers that uh, 
going back to the older system, something simple like, hey, it's based on averages of players in the same position. Okay, maybe I don't know exactly what your underlying formula is, but I understand it's based on averages of how these players play and what they score. Cool, I can wrap my head around that general concept, and if someone wants to jump into the underlying mechanics, that's not me. But So I, I think that's a, an excellent point, Parker, of how it can be friendly to a, a new player where they can at least grasp the general concept of it, but not overwhelming like, what? Why did this guy go <laughs> and lost value, huh? Uh, well, that's a lot. We, well, I think we'll definitely have to talk about that again. Uh, maybe Mike, you can pin an article about that that we can we can post to to, to see as as it goes. But let's move on to a next question. Another hot topic talking about the rolling transfers. Uh, this one comes from Overscore on Reddit, and he said that we saw with via late scratch rolling transfers heavily rewarded players who pay attention to every lineup and are actively playing during games, or at least that game. Um, is this good or bad for the game? On the other hand, it's frustrating to have a player be a late scratch and you can't replace them because you were actually attending a game or just didn't watch for that lineup. But on the other hand, it rewards people who are more dedicated to the game. Um, is this the way it should work? What are our thoughts? So two parts there. Um, do you think it's this rolling transfer system is, is working out so far? And do you think viewing it as a reward for the more hardcore players is uh, appropriate as an award for, reward for them. This is a classic case of complain when you don't like it and complain when they change it. <laughs> uh, I mean, last year, um, a bunch of us would have had Via in the lineup, maybe in a switcheroo where we wouldn't have had him as the captain just in case, but whatever. Yeah. We would have, we would either put Via in there or we would all step back and go, We've got news ahead of time. He may not be ready to go. Don't don't take the risk. Grab somebody you know is going to play. Um, that was a scenario last year. Um, if you don't have time to check the rolling for transfers, you got to play that same way again this year. Just assume they're going to be out and get somebody you know is going to score. Put him in an auto route situation where if he does play, you've got it. If he doesn't, we've got guys like Christian Martinez and Daniel Shallowy who are cheap enough to throw on your bench take the risk and make sure you have a sub to come in for them because I personally really like it. Um, I made the mistake and switched him out for Vialva this week instead of Martinez, which I know a lot of people just went from Via to Martinez and it paid off big for him. Um, yeah. It rewards the guys that are there, but that is kind of what the fantasy game's all about. Fantasy NFL is the same way. You're watching your lineups. You're grabbing your subs. If you need them, if you've got a guy who's a late scratch, you go ahead and you make your transfers otherwise just you got to plan ahead so yeah so it sounds like you're on that side of this seems like an appropriate reward for the hardcore people mike parker you guys view the same way or different uh, i mean yeah I, I think you know for a casual player I, I mean i guess you know you had to have the knowledge ahead of time that there was an injury risk and you know outside of following at mls injury news the best injury news account on twitter um, you'd had to know like New York City beat writers, follow Reddit in the chats, <laughs> you know, th that information wasn't readily accessible. I, I feel like the lineups is something that's more readily accessible to a casual fans, even if they're going to the game. Um, they may not be checking their phone as much, but it doesn't change as much. Um, so I, I don't think it's like a terrible hurt on the casual fan. Now, obviously, I, I think what does make a difference between I think the rolling transfers has created a gap between the casual fan and the more competitive player 
because the more competitive player has a lot more tools to do min-maxing. I mean, the, the keeperu, which we'll talk about, is is a big deal um, for maxing. And then you get into double and, you know, auto-roos and all this stuff, which is hard for me as a competitive player to keep track of. So I know, you know, the casual player who, you know, doesn't make transfers, you know, like, let's call him Andrew Wiebe, for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he probably doesn't know anything of that that's going on, and he's a avid MLS fan. Um, so I, I think it has created a gap, but is, if that's a, is that a bad thing? I don't know that it's a bad thing because it rewards interest in the game, you know, other than just kind of going back to what last year was where, you know, you had the budget to get all of the top players and, you know, you had unlimited trends. I mean, that, that was pretty much the easiest casual system that we could have. And, you know, in some sense, it didn't work as far as getting the people in. So I understand why MLS made the change. Personally, for me, I, I think I'm kind of cooling on the rolling transfers uh, addition. So I, I'd be OK if we looked at removing that in, in the future and and looking at other systems. But I, I do think that's more so than the unlimited transfers. The rolling transfers have have in highly encouraged and maxing. But I do feel like my team. This week uh, was an example of I got 83 points without my captain, um, and I said it a week ahead of time. So I, I I do think it is possible to still be competitive, and it maybe just depends on what your definition of a competitive score is. I mean, I didn't break triple digits, and I was in the top 350 overall, so maybe that's not competitive for some people. But I was above the average score, so um, I, I won my head-to-head matches or at least the one that that mattered the most uh so uh, what are you playing for are you playing for uh, one of the prizes i hope you are i mean that's that's definitely something we're encouraging this this season there's there's more opportunities to win or are you playing for your your league are you playing for your head-to-head or, or what so I, I guess it just depends on on where you put that value so this is going to be a question with different answers for different people Next, our last question, I guess, that we have is uh, specifically for Mike, but anyone else, feel free to chime in. Mike, you talked really heavily about making your picks for value, and it sounds like for you that's worked out. And for uh, CM Matzat, that's what I'm going to I'm going to say your name. <laughs> uh, or Commander Matzat. We're going to go CM Matzat. It also worked out for him where he got 5.3 million and he got a better score than he did in round two. So, do you think this is still a smart move going into? round four or is it time to switch the focus so what i want you to answer with this question is basically how many rounds do you think people need to play maximizing value gain before you start getting into trying to get the most points i would say to six okay um maybe even to seven because from what we've seen you know let's let's assume what Ben has told us is true and once we get to five and we get those averages we're going to see a massive drop off Up until then, you have the opportunity to do kind of what he did, you know, get five million plus price rises. Um, so I think that's where you have to take price as a significant factor. And to be honest, I don't think price is ever going to go away. Uh, let, let's talk about one of my favorite players, Patrick Mullins. Everyone knows I'm high on him. I would never pick him up at this point because of the way the substitution has penalized him in the past. Even if he has a good matchup, even if Maddox is hurt and he, I know he's going to start, if I put him on my team, I know he's going to lose 0.5 next week. 
regardless because that's the history and that's what we've seen because of his average is going to be so low because he's gotten to small sub appearances. I think that's going to be a consideration throughout. I mean, until round 34 or whatever it is the last round is. So I don't think price is ever going to go away. Now, as far as like looking with a real hard, I want to pick players with a price rise going into it. I think you need to still do that for these first few weeks. And and the good news is with this week, it's really easy because a lot of the good players that you're going to want are also the players with price rises. So that's what I did last week. I tried to maximize players, you know, on the defense. <clears throat> I thought could get a clean sheet potential. That's why I had Sweat, Abu Bakar, and Trusty from Philadelphia because I knew all three of those were getting point fives, and all all three of those had decent clean sheet shots. And you know, I was lucky enough to hit on all of them. So. For me, I think it's at least until, you know, round seven. And I mean, like a perfect example is going to be next week. Um, next week, you're going to want to have LAFC players. Like Carlos Vela is in your team. Do not ask any questions. And that's going to be good for both price and points. Um, this week, I think you're going to want to have as many Columbus defenders as possible. Like every Columbus defender is getting a point five next week. <laughs> So there's ways to do both of it, but I think price needs to be a real strong consideration. And, and it's because the values are so much. And because what we've learned with this game is that they're trying to eliminate cheap, good options. Like the, the days of Hoberry and um, Madronda and all that, where you get these like cheap guys who are going to get you good clean sheet opportunities because they were priced wrong. That's what the system has tried to oh, to end. So if you want to play like you did last year and field four or five premium mids, two strong forwards, <coughs> you need to put in the work now to get your price budget in order to handle it. All right. Uh, that's a great recap. Um, Parker, Blaine, anybody want to add? I argued against this philosophy last week, uh -huh. but I'm sitting, I'm sitting about two million behind a lot of the leaders right now. Now, my point total is also not where it should be for being a fantasy writer and all of that. So I've got some problem, <laughs> other problems to take care of too. But I'm sitting two million behind, and we're only three weeks in, and we're getting ready for round four, and I'm still kind of crunching numbers to see: can I get this guy? Can I get everybody I want? And now I've got to come to the realization that I have guys ahead of me in the standing who have enough money to grab all of the premium players that I want and then some. See, I, so, I could hear even Lily was disagreeing with your approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for answering those questions. Now let's going to move on to the game-by-game -game preview for what we have. Uh, Mike, kicking it off with you, New England versus New York City FC. Uh, well, I'm, I'm expecting New York City to be without David Villa because, like I said, David Villa has had some sort of injury all preseason. Even in the first two games of, of this season, he hasn't quite looked right. I can't imagine that they're going to rush him back on turf, especially with them having already a lead in the Shield and the Eastern Conference standings. Um, that said, uh, they'll have they won't have ring, so there are some um, absences concerns for New York City. Um, but I, I can't imagine this is anything worse than a draw for New York City. Um, they've been really strong. Um, they will have Jesus Medina, who's been an absolute revelation. Uh, his back heel pass to um, Maxi Morales for the goal was beautiful. Um, I think New York City defenders are viable. Um, I don't think I don't think very highly of the Revs. Um, heck, they'll probably have both their center backs sent off again because that's just what their center backs do. 
So um, I think, you know, and we had a question from Reddit from Ha103 about playing New York City attack players. Absolutely. I mean, New York, I mean, Revs let Colorado score a goal on them. So you know they're bad. <coughs> so I, I think Maxi Morales, Jesus Medina are, are great picks. I wouldn't do any of the forwards. Um, Burjet is probably going to be the one to start. Uh, Ishmael Tajuri, as we said earlier, is probably due for a price decrease. So I, I would stay away from him. And then um, Tanner Holm, if he plays, uh, Ben Sweat, great option. Son Johnson's pretty expensive now, um, so I may find some other keepers there, but uh, I, I think you can probably go up and down the spine and get um, good options. So I think 2-1, <coughs> excuse me, New York City. Blaine, Dallas versus Portland. Yeah, the way Portland started off the year and the way Dallas looks right now, um, I really think Dallas is going to come out and control this game, especially being at home. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put an early scoreline out there, 2-0 for Dallas. I really, I think, I think Portland's got a little bit more than what I give them credit for, and I think they're going to be able to slow them down. But Dallas is with Diaz playing the way he is; he's just going to run all over this game. Um, your two big fantasy picks here are Diaz and Lama. And both of them are primed for a good price rise. I do think you've got the clean sheet potential here. And pretty much any of the defenders for Dallas are set for price rises. Um, this is definitely a team this week you could go four deep on and be pretty comfortable with the way your your fantasy points and your value are both going to hold out. All right. Uh, Parker, we heard some high praise about Columbus already. Do you agree with Columbus versus D.C.? Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that this will probably be an interesting game, and I definitely think that you, you're you going to want to load up on Columbus a little bit here. Um, you know, the one big thing to look out for is Will Trapp is going to be away on uh, national team duty, it looks like. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're also going to be without Zach Steffen. Um, so I, I kind of think that this could be sort of one of those weird um, – weird and wild uh, international break MLS specials that we get every now and then. Um, I do think that, um, that DC has some nice pieces going forward. I think we talked about, you know, um, Paul Ariola and um, sorry, um, Yumil Assad. I think, of course, I think that he's probably going to be doing dangerous things and getting, uh, getting their guys in position to score. Um, and then uh, you look at Luciano Acosta. Um, I think that I think that there's some good picks in this game. I think that you really kind of want to load up on some of the attacking options, really for both sides. What's your score prediction? Um, three two Columbus. Oh, we're going we're going with a big score today. That does sound like a good game to watch. Okay, Mike. Next. Uh, New York Red Bulls versus Minnesota. I know this one might be hard for you to to talk about evenly, but a lot of people had questions about the Red Bulls as if this is a team for them to pick, and I just thought it would be funny if you got to talk about it. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I understand why they're looking. I mean, I, I think, you know, especially with what they've done in CCL, um, I mean, they've been the best team outside of New York and MLS. <coughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, you know, in, Excuse me. Minnesota has overachieved, but I I think that it comes to an end. I think the Red Bulls now having rested in MLS for the first time, I think they win this one handily, three nothing. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, BWP 
uh, Sean Davis, if he plays uh, Kaku, I would load up on Red Bulls. I want to, yeah, I just want to throw in real quick about the Red Bulls in Minnesota. Um, uh, Minnesota has done pretty well this year, but they really haven't gone up against a team that presses at all. And, you know, even without Tyler Adams, I think that, that the Red Bulls, it's just drilled into their DNA at this point. And I, I, I kind of think that New York is going to pin them back and, and really, uh, have them kind of on their heels the whole game. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and there's some good value there as well with some of that slow start that they've had. Uh, Blaine moving on your sporting Kansas city is a way to Colorado to Columbus. Sorry, it's right to Colorado this week. Uh, how do you think that's going to go? Um, I really like the way Kansas City's been playing so far. They've been putting a lot of pressure on everybody they've played against. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm not sure San Jose is as weak as you kind of made them out to be, but Kansas City's high press really did press, put them, push them back. They struggled to get any meaningful possession in the first half. And I think Kansas City can replicate that on the road uh, against Colorado. May not be able to do it against every team, but they can do it against Colorado. Um, uh, but as we've talked about, I think their defense is susceptible again. So I'm expecting a lot going forward for Kansas City, but uh, Colorado, the way they play, they could probably hit on the counter. I'm going to go ahead and predict a 3-1 scoreline again. Um, I think uh, with Gutierrez and Russell, now Shallowy's going to be out, which does have the potential to hurt this team a little bit. I think he's been one of the key playmakers for them and really distracting defenses. But Gerso's set to come in if he needs to. Uh, Shelton has been getting a lot of meaningful touches, even if he hasn't been lighting up the score sheet. So uh, 3-1 prediction. Uh, Gutierrez and Russell are your two big guys in the attacking half. Uh, Zusi and... If Sinovic starts, he's probably a good one to look at. If you're gonna, if you think they're gonna get the clean sheet, he's got the average and the kind of the prices to get the price rise. Beasler and Opara are still value traps this year, though. They're just their numbers just aren't quite there to make to justify the price rise yet. Okay, Parker, gonna put you on the other side. Have you talk about Vancouver versus LA Galaxy, which we've heard a lot of negative things talked about. Uh, Capnip Junkie had 717 asked us about uh, the LA Galaxy call-ups, which I think Mike touched on during his report. Does, does that really make you want to load up on Vancouver players? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you know, Vancouver is, is interesting. You know, when I when we talked about Atlanta and, and their game with them, I didn't really get into it. But I have no idea what Carl Robinson was doing going into that game. Um, he played a, I think he played a five man back line. Um, well, he played, yeah, he played a three, five, two, um, but he rested arguably his three best players. I mean, you Arena, Christian Teixeira and Russell Tiber all started this game on the bench. And I don't know if this was just, you know, I'm just going to put out a really defensive lineup and, and see what, you know, if we can keep him from scoring, but he's, he's done this a lot where he just rotates his players constantly. And you don't really ever get like a good solid feel of what this team is all about. And they still finished third in the West last year. So more power to him, I guess. But at the same time, you know, I don't really know how that translating that to fantasy means that it's pretty difficult to kind of like see who the good players are and see who you want to be picking for them. um, And, and really kind of see what this game is going to look like. Um, I, I think that this one's a tough one to call also because LA has always been bad on the road. They were really bad in New York. Um, and, um, you know, they, 
it goes back to that thing that Stevie G said like three years ago where he was like, it's the mountains and the airplanes. And, um, you know, they're going on, on an airplane to play a team named after mountains. So I don't really think that I, I want to pick any players from LA this week. Um, you know, I know that they had a bye week to try to get everything settled, but I, I, I see this team as being just a bunch of different pieces that are kind of thrown together. Um, and so far they haven't put it together. Um, I, I think that if you're looking at Vancouver, if Kamara starts, I definitely want him. Um, I do like some of their defensive players. I like, um, sorry, um, Aja um, in in center back. He should start with uh, Waston out. Um, and um, I even like their uh, goalkeeper, Marnovich. Um, I think that those are decent starts. But other than that, you know, if you're thinking about playing any Vancouver players, maybe think about doing it as, as one of those switcheroo options. Um, I see this kind of being like a 2-1 or a 2-0 game for Vancouver. Um, but that's, you know, I, I still don't. I think you're going to see some some late night weirdness with this one. All right, late night weirdness. I like I like the sound of that. Well, <laughs> I think that that could be fun. Uh, thank you guys for those picks breaking down the few games that we have uh, for this round. Let's move on to the player picks for the chalkboard, which will be back this week. Uh, let's start out with uh, keepers. Blaine, what do you think? Um, I've got Maurer for Dallas. Mike. Uh, <clears throat> I have Mar as the first part of a keeperoo with Kempen. Okay, Parker. Yeah. Um. At the moment, I've got um, a keeperoo going with Marnovich and um, Turner. Um. We'll we'll see if if that stays, but for now, that's what I'm going with. I'm definitely running a keeperoo though. Okay. Defenders, Mike. Uh, I have Sweat Abu Bakar, um, and then in a. Uh, <clears throat> In the switcheroo, Tinnerholm and Laid. Parker. Yeah, I've got um, Matt Hedges, um, Laid, and um, Aha from uh, Vancouver. And Blaine. Um, I've got. Uh, I've actually run in full five this week. I think my lineup may include five defenders by the time it's all done after Otteries. So it's Zusi, Abubakar, Sweat, and then a pair of them from Dallas. I haven't quite decided on the two. But the two names I re- or the one name I really can't pronounce starts with an N, and then Zeigler the other or the two Dallas ones I've got in there right now. But I think Hedges could replace either one of those pretty easily. Moving on to midfield, Parker. Yeah, I'm um, I'm going to go ahead and, and load up with the uh, Red Bulls here. I'm going with Kaku, and um, uh, I think Bezencourt could also have a nice game with um, with Adams out on international duty, um, and then. Uh, Mauro Diaz and uh, Iguain. Blaine. Um, right now, I've got Iguain, Diaz, Morales, uh, Bezacourt, and Gutierrez. And Mike. Uh, Diaz, Kaku, uh, Jesus Medina, Iguain, and uh, Sean Davis as part of the uh, Otteru. Forwards, Blaine. Uh, I only have Zardes this week. Ooh. Mike. I have Jossie Zardes and Bradley Wright Phillips. And Parker. Yeah, I've got um, BWP, uh, Zardes, and Kamara. I think he meant Kai Kamara, not Ola. Oh. Yeah, give me the dreadnought, man. <laughs> Let me. Now, I mean, Kai Kamara was supposedly hurt, <laughs> so we'll see if he plays, but yeah. Let me uh, that down there to make sure. Multiple Kamaras. Yeah, All I'm right. betting on uh, them, them having Kamara. just keeping him off of a 10-hour 
10 hour round trip playing Friday with a, a tight, <laughs> tight muscle. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Captain. They, they may be like you're not scoring against the land. Captain, right now I have BWP, but um, the Discord is trying to talk me into Higuain, so we'll see. Parker. Yeah, um, I've got BWP. Lane. I'm currently sitting on Mara Diaz, but Maxi Morales is kind of creeping in the back of my mind. Is it's up between those two, and I'll decide by the game time. And finally, best clean sheet chances. Parker. Something just tells me Vancouver this weekend. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Okay. You were like, ah, Vancouver. They're, ter- they're terrible, and uh, <coughs> but I think that L.A. is just like that much of a mess, and they're just so silly on the road. Blaine. Uh, I'm leaning on Dallas for pretty heavily for this one. I just don't think Portland's got it together yet. Okay. Mike. Uh, I have Columbus. Um as long as DC has Patrick Mullins on the bench, their offense is terrible. So even without Stefan, you think Columbus will get those <clears throat> rises? Yeah, I mean, that that does concern me a little bit. But, um, I mean, DC is also going to be dealing with an 18-year-old defensive midfielder. So I think they're going to be on the back foot for um, most of the time. <clears throat> so, I mean, other than like Maddox catching them on the counter. I mean, t- to me, the problem for this week as far as clean sheets is all the better teams are on the road. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, like New York City, I think is a decent clean sheet sh- shout too, you know, but they're on a road team, you know, so. And I just right, don't well, think Vancouver without Boston or Parker. That's my only concern with them. I feel like uh, Leger is just going to like score one beautiful goal on his own. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, guys, for those player picks and for those game breakdowns and the great discussion that we had tonight. I hope everyone appreciated that. Quick update about the leagues uh, over in the MLS uh, Patreon hosts Invitational League. Uh, There's a seven-way tie for first place right now. Um, I am tied. uh, Josh Lewis, Andrew Crawlard, uh, our good friend Tim Shaw, Jason Wiskovich, uh, Jason Hicks, and Mike are all tied with two wins and zero draws and zero losses. So uh, doing well, guys, doing well. I think this next round is going to start separating us some more. Um, oh, and just one more thing to add about that. Uh, Andrew Weeby is currently winless. So keep him accountable, guys. Uh, and then I also <laughs> want to give a shout out to uh, Maddie Lip FC, which is currently leading our Patreon uh, classic league over there, but Chicken Bucket FC is a close second place, and he is quite the player from last season as well. So uh, fun times there in the leagues already this season. Uh, that's all that we have for the show tonight. Let's end it with our plugs. Blaine. Uh, no real plugs from me, but uh, shout out to my wife. She's been very gracious in letting me do this, and she took a night out, so I've had Lily in here for the podcast the whole night. <laughs> so if you guys do hear her, um, I do have dad duty every once in a while. And I think it was Mike put out a MLSFI bingo card and somebody has already added baby noises as one of those bingo <laughs> options. So. <laughs> and so I guess my plug would be join Patreon. I try to bring Lily on when we do the video chats before during off weeks and everything or whatever. So if you guys do want to see little Lily, she doesn't go on Twitter very often. But I do try to bring her on all of those Patreon chats. <laughs> Mike. 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll plug that uh, bingo. I put I post, started a post uh, a thread on Reddit. Um, if, if you listen to Extra Time Radio, they had a bingo card of all like the quirks and mannerisms that their hosts do. Uh, I know we have plenty of uh, quirks and mannerisms. Heck, if you did like Michael coughing, you'd be drunk by now. Um, so yeah, go to Reddit, post and stuff. We have a bunch of great stuff. <clears throat> you know, I know I love uh, the baby noises for Lily. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're not doing this professionally. We're, we're doing this on our first spare time. And I think it's great that we have babies and kids and dogs and stuff in the background because <laughs> we're, you know, we're just fans doing this as a hobby and a passion that we love. So, but obviously life goes on. So I, I, I think it makes the podcast better. I think clearly the center just <clears throat> me spot should be read mispronounces a name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There we well, go. we had we had yawning. We had Michael says y'all. Um, older goaler put like twenty of them on him. I haven't <laughs> gone through all. Of them. Which, which you know. But but we will, we will try to see if we can make some time next week because it's not like we're gonna have a whole lot of games to talk about. Right, right. Well, <laughs> good good times, Parker. Yeah, come by and uh, check us out over on uh, Dirty South Soccer. It's a bye week this week, so we're gonna be talking about who has the best tattoos on Atlanta United. Um, then you can come and take a look over at um, Stars and Stripes FC next week as we're kind of getting ready for the U.S. and, and Paraguay. Um, aside from that, uh, the NWSL starts this weekend. Um, it's free on the Go90 app. It's great soccer, and I, I really uh, encourage you to check it out if, if you uh, want to uh, get into that league. Uh, as a course for me, uh, I have to say – um, how much I appreciate my my wife, and uh, we just got married, and I could not be happier. And especially just like with Blaine, she puts up with me doing this as well. So uh, thank you so much. I love you. And uh, on the soccer side, back over posting at mlsfantasyboss.com. So check out all the all the articles that we got. Blaine was on that duty last week. Thank you so much, man, for taking care of that. Uh, also. Hit, look for my article this week over at MLS Soccer, where uh, Andrew filled in while I was gone with that with some good picks. And all the articles that come out there, I know that Skylar also has some good sort of player rankings as well. And uh, there'll be lots of action over at the r slash fantasy MLS subreddit this week. So go over there, interact with people. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of the, the new systems and changes that have happened. So it's it's uh, it's fun. It's, it's nice to find people with similar thoughts as yourself. And it, it can... Uh, just be a great community to really get good tips trying to maximize your scores as well. So check out everything that's available. Thank you so much for listening and good luck.